the Game Nashville Studios, presented by Wholesale Inc. Mount Juliet. It's time to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. That's a cross, he scores! This is the Preds' official podcast with Thomas Willis and Brooks Bratton. Powerful move from back of the net. On Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Fred's official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game and streaming right now on The Game, Nashville app. I'm Thomas Willis, Brooks Braden. Both of us are of NashvillePredators.com. Josh Upton is producing as always. And we start off the show with the news that for the fifth consecutive season, the Nashville Predators will be headed to the postseason. In just over a week or so, the Stanley Cup playoffs get underway. It's the reason that you do the regular season. It's the reason you have it. And that's to compete for Lord Stanley's Cup. We now know officially... That's coming up for the Preds. But before we get to that, five games left in the regular season at Pittsburgh, coming home to host Columbus, then their final road game against the Buffalo Sabres, and then they'll wrap up at home against the Vancouver Canucks and Fan Appreciation Night against the Chicago Blackhawks. So we're so close to the moment that matters the most, the playoffs. But before we get to that, let's welcome in the other member of the show. Brooks, how's it going? Wonderful. It's all back here in Pittsburgh. There are some things that I miss growing up uh, about growing up in this city, but not seeing the sun from November to April is certainly not one of them. Um, so looking forward to getting back to Nashville as always, but it's always good to uh, get back to my unofficial hometown, I suppose, uh, see the parents for a couple of days and hang out with everyone and hopefully get a win, which it's, it's tough with, you know, we're recording here on Friday afternoon. So we'll play the the Penguins here on Friday night, so that will have happened before all of you hear this. So hopefully it's a good result uh, here from PPG Paints Arena. Yeah, the only one game in this week before this show, it was on Monday night when the Preds beat the Minnesota Wild one to nothing, um, And that was significant because, again, as I said just a few moments ago, clinched their playoff berth. Um, but to hear it from Pete Weber's perspective, it, it was the one to nothing victory. Here's his call after that momentous win. And that will do it. The Predators have clinched a playoff berth here tonight. They hold on with a shorthanded goal for the first period to win this one one nothing. Significant again. That means that Peter Laviolette now will have led the Predators to the postseason in each of his years here in Nashville. And, and for a campaign that has had its struggles, especially after the calendar flipped to January, I mean, I guess, Brooks, that's that's all you really care about is that you've qualified for a playoff spot, and then from there you try to improve your seeding and your home ice advantage as much as, much as you possibly can. Well, Thomas, not only is Peter Laviolette perfect in his time with the Preds, you and I are perfect as Predators employees. Five for five, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's not too bad. Uh, well, and back to the Pittsburgh thing, I was going to say, we I've convinced you in your time here in Nashville that the central time zone is best. We're still working on a few other things. Um, but it's good to hear oh, you. It's, it's good to hear you bemoan the weather in Pittsburgh as well. <laughs> Team central time zone all the way. I, I grew up in the eastern time zone, and it's just central time zone, Lake. Saturday Night Live comes on at 10.30 nope. in Nashville, and that gets me to bed an hour earlier, which is, uh, I will take that any day of the week. But no, it's, as you mentioned, I mean, to clinch for the fifth straight season, that is not something that a lot of NHL teams do anymore. It's mm-hmm. not really those powerhouses that are going to get in every year and those same teams that struggle every year. And uh, there were a couple of pretty impressive playoff stats that came out this week. And Thomas, I'll mention the first one here. So as we said, the fifth consecutive trip to the postseason for the Predators, as of March 29th, only three other clubs 
have active streaks of at least that many seasons. So the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have been in 12 consecutive seasons, working on their 13th, which is pretty darn impressive. The Minnesota Wild looks like that streak could come to an end. And the Washington Capitals, the defending cup champs, have gotten in for five straight seasons. So one, not only the consistency that has happened as of late, but Thomas, this other one I think is just as, if not even more impressive. Right. After missing out on the playoffs their first five years, the Preds have now followed it up with making it 12 out of 15 times. And it's just, that's so rare to do. San Jose, Detroit, and Pittsburgh are the ones that have done that in that same span. And of course, as we know, Detroit has not made the playoffs in the last few years. San Jose and Pittsburgh have remained good. But that level of consistency is so difficult to do. And I think that's because even on the show, we talk about the parody all the time in the NHL with the three-point games, with the salary cap, trying to have all these other teams um, be right there and have a chance at the playoffs. You'll see it again this year in that there's going to be five teams, it appears, that are going to make the playoffs after not making it last year. The Dallas Stars, the St. Louis Blues, amongst some of those five uh, who actually could play the Preds in the playoffs. So with that level of turnover, to be able to do it 12 out of 15 times, that's impressive. Well, and you go into a season and look at different teams' rosters, and some of them you can pretty easily predict that are going to be in, um, barring anything catastrophic as far as injuries or trades or, or whatever might happen over the course of a season. But then there are also teams that still have a number of really impressive players on their roster, and it just doesn't work out for whatever reason. So I, I think the thing that we want to kind of hammer home on this point is just don't take it for granted that the Predators make the playoffs every year. Yes, the expectations are high. Yes, the Predators are one of those teams in the NHL that come into the season with a goal, I think, of not only just making the playoffs, but competing for the Stanley Cup, seriously competing for it once you do get into the postseason. And that means winning multiple rounds to give yourself a chance to do so. I think every team probably comes into the regular season you know, I don't know that anybody stands there in training camp in any NHL franchise and says, well, let's just have a good season, boys, and if we make the playoffs, that'll be good. I think mm -hmm. everyone comes in with the goal of we're going to make the Stanley Cup playoffs, but that's not realistic for everyone. Only 16 teams get in, so that means that almost half of the league is going to be on the outside looking in. And so what the Predators have been able to do over the past five seasons, and of course everything's not perfect, we know that, but it is still pretty darn impressive what the Preds have been able to do with the personnel, with the roster. And I, I would just say to our fans who have really enjoyed some playoff success and those stats that we just read off uh, should certainly give you all an idea of how lucky we are in Nashville to see hockey in the springtime consistently year after year. Mm -hmm. Well, let's look ahead to the Stanley Cup playoffs that will begin on April the 10th. As far as matchups, I'm not going to play the game here and sit, oh, if the playoffs were today, they'd play this team. But I do use a website called Sports Club Stats, which links into nationalpredators.com. We have a good article there every day to kind of look at the different matchups. But right now, a roughly a 60% chance to play the Blues, and that's because the Preds and St. Louis are right there, nearly even with each other in the 2-3 matchup in the Central Division. So even if the Blues were able to pass the Preds, even if the Preds hung on, uh, for home ice advantage, there's a high chance that they would play. But then there's really only two other options, and that would be even after a tough loss on Saturday to the Winnipeg Jets, a game we talked about a lot on the last episode, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, was that 
Winnipeg putting the nail in the coffin and locking up the Central Division. All of a sudden, it's back to a two-point spread again, and you've got the potential for the Preds to take first in the Central Division, which would then pit them against the first wildcard team in the West. That would be the Dallas Stars. So you've got the potential, even in these last handful of games, can the Preds take the division and play the Stars? Can they stay in the 2-3 matchup and play the Blues? Can the Blues even get up and take the division themselves? And then that would be Jets and Preds in the first round. But it's pretty much those only three options as we round the corner into the final few days of the regular season. Well, we were speaking with friend of the show, Chris Johnston, uh, sure. when he was in town with the Toronto Maple Leafs a couple of weeks ago. And, and you know, it, it, this is such a broad take, but what it really comes down to, and we, we said this, you can make all the predictions in the world and try to uh, analyze all the matchups, but ultimately what it comes down to is professional athletes on a sheet of ice and they're chasing around a three-inch piece of rubber and trying to put it into a net. It's <laughs> a lot of things can happen, and I and I think when it, when you get down to it, that's important to remember. And of course, there's we're not going to say, oh well, it's a game of chance, anything can happen. But anything really can happen in the game of hockey. And like we said, even maybe a week ago, it was Winnipeg who was probably going to away with run away with the Central Division. You thought that maybe even more so after they topped the Predators five nothing last Saturday, but then all of a sudden look who's right back in it and mm-hmm. I, I think this central division race it's really looking like it might go down to it well it honestly it has come down to the final week it may come even come down to the final night of the regular season on april 6th and boy what drama that would be if that <sighs> was the case 100 percent, and we saw it last year not to that magnitude but the blues and avalanche played each other on the final day of the regular season to determine which one of those teams would reach the postseason and play the Preds. And I feel like we've gone this entire year with Nashville having played more games than everyone else in the NHL. And you're finally going to see that made up in the final week of the regular season. The Preds will play just three times on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then you're going to see the Jets and Blues have back-to-backs to start off that week. So it's going to start matching up night by night that where we're going to be saying, okay, Tuesday night, all three teams are in action. What's the points going to be? Thursday, Saturday. So you're absolutely right. We could have a situation where even going into Saturday night, you could see any of those three teams sitting there going, maybe we know who we're going to play, but which seat are we going to have? And you know who, where are we going to start? And that sort of thing. So I think that's, again, speaks to the parody of the NHL um, as we go forward. The other news of the week, we're going to touch on that in our next two segments. And that was top defensive prospect Dante Fabro has signed an entry-level deal with the Preds. Looks like he'll be getting his NHL debut sooner rather than later. So we're going to talk to the Predators Director of Player Development and the Milwaukee Admirals GM about him in segment two. And then we're actually going to hear from Fabro in segment three as he makes that transition from being a 2016 first-round pick to now joining the Preds. Um, And I think one other good thing that we'll be able to hear from Nickel on is Austin Watson and Mika Salamaki sent down to the Admirals for a conditioning sent as they prepare to get back and play for this Predators roster. So Watson already had two goals in one of his games, including the game winner. So looks like he may be ready to get back into this Predators lineup quickly, maybe even faster than we thought. Well, and that's exactly what the conditioning stint is for to get those guys back into game action. As Peter Laviolette has said, there is no substitute for game action when you're out long term like an Austin Watson, like a Mika Salamaki was uh, as of late over the past couple of months. You've got to get your legs back under you. You've got to get into that game action. So great to see that Austin Watson had a couple of goals 
Mika Salamaki was playing games as well. And then for Dante Fabro, and of course we'll touch more on this in a bit as you mentioned, but really good to get him into the fold as well, get him into a couple of practices and much more coming up on the youngster in these next two segments. So you know what's coming up next? It's Scott Nickel himself, the Milwaukee Admirals GM and the Preds Director of Player Development. That's coming up on the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Thanks for sticking with us. It's segment two of the Predators official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. I'm Thomas Willis, joined by my co-host Brooks Bratton, both of us of NashvillePredators.com. We previewed it in our last segment. We're joined now by Scott Nickel, the Predators Director of Player Development and the GM of the Milwaukee Admirals, which is why he's in that fair city today as we welcome him into the show. Scott, thanks for doing this. Hey, my pleasure. I'm a longtime listener. Oh, wow. Wow, we love to hear that. You've now just become our favorite guest. We haven't even started the interview really yet. I love it. <laughs> we wanted to touch on some recent signings. We had several questions come in about this from our listeners because um, there's a lot of excitement around the signing of Dante Fabro and Rim Pitlick, two collegiate players. Rim, of course, has already made his NHL debut. Looks like Dante will soon. Um, so I know maybe you need to answer one and then the other, but why was it the right time to sign them? Why um, did they join the Predators organization officially? Well, I think with Dante, it was time for him to, you know, he, he went back to school last year and um, was the captain of their team. And it actually was the best thing for him to go back just, just on not like just the leadership quality, you know, he was never really put in that situation and um, to be the guy and to lead that team and, and Boston university, they had, they had a tough start and it, it was hard on him. He, he didn't know what kind of leader he was going to be. And it, it kind of, it brought him out, got him out of his comfort zone. It was his team. He really, the way that he played down the stretch and how he carried himself, their team kind of adopted that and uh, to his personality and, and his style. They were, you know, at the beginning of the year, they're just a bunch of young kids coming out, a lot coming out of the program, and um, they're kind of all, all over the place. And I think just his calming demeanor and his, the way that he plays the game and plays a ton of minutes, it, it really helped the team and it also really helped him grow as a person and a player and then scott for a guy like rem pitlick and i, and I guess this applies to both of them and coach laviolette has talked about bringing them in and, and getting them acclimated uh just from a team standpoint and learning the systems and, and getting to know the guys in the locker room i guess for rem and dante how much does their collegiate experience help with what they then transitioned to in the NHL because it, Rem Pitlick was only here for one game and then he made his NHL debut in Minnesota uh, earlier last week. So how does their experience collegiately factor in and, and kind of make it somewhat of a seamless transition, it seems? Well, I think it, it's the National Hockey League. like It's the best league in the world and it is a big step for these kids to come in. But they've been, you know, I think that's why we have them at development camp we draft them. We have them. At, they've been at three different development camps. Both these guys. So the staff is. They know the staff. They know the medical, the equipment guys. They know the coaching staff, and so they're coming in, and they already a little bit familiar. You know, it's not like they're just dipping their toe in and then they're they're in. You know, so that that's what development camps for. We we teach them our way, our system, our how we, how we want to develop these kids, what the nutritionist to all these, their sleep doctors to, so they're part of our culture already, even though they're playing for 
a different school, uh, not our team. So for him coming out, it was, you know, the way that he plays and his style, I watched him the last three years at school, and, you know, he plays fast. He does everything at, at top speed. He's got a great shot, sees the ice very well, played in every situation in college. And then uh, he played wing for the first two years, and he played center this year. So, and then I think that really, his game really matured from there just by just having the, you know, being up the middle and being supporting the puck all over the ice. He had a lot of responsibilities that he had to, you know, that he had to, he already was a responsible player, but this really magnified it because he was playing center and he was playing probably 20 minutes a night. So it's uh, it was a great year for Remy. Everything he shot went in and uh, he made nice plays. He played with guys on his line that complement his style um, with how much speed and pace that he plays with. So I was really happy. I was excited to get him out and uh, bring him into our mix, and it's going to just it's going to help him coming in, being part of it this year, playoff run, uh, and then then now once the season's over, and then he's at development camp, then he's doing rookie camp, then he's at training camp, and then so it's it's this, next year will be a little bit way better process of him kind of taking better steps than just kind of coming right in now to play so uh he's been he's been really good he's got a great attitude he's got good pedigree his dad played um in the nhl his mom was a, a gymnast so he's got he he's all business so he's uh it'll be fun to see him grow and develop and turn into a really good hockey player for us as a longtime listener you probably heard this but <laughs> assistant gm brian Poyle said a few weeks ago on the show that Dante Fabro was probably the top defensive prospect for the Preds. So I think when you hear that, the expectations are, are really there for a guy like him. Um, and I think you can speak to Pitlick on this as well, but what are your expectations? And then from that, like, what are realistic expectations as well? Like, I get it. Hey, could he come in and be like a Charlie McAvoy and play great in the playoffs? Yes. But then where are you at more realistically with this guy as well? Well, I think they've all, like, I really like the way Fabro plays. The way that he plays, I touched on is just his leadership and how much he grew as a player. But the way that Fabro plays, he just he's so calm. He makes plays. He's not gonna. He's not gonna. McAvoy's probably got more polish to him for offensively, but Fabro more just he just moves the puck. He he defends well. He cuts guys' arms off. Gets loose pucks. He's you know he. He always has the right option. Like he, he passes the puck like an NHL player. He defends really well. He's, he's got good stick detail. So his his game is a lot is probably more mature than Rems is at this point, and especially for a defenseman, just because of the way that he he moves around the ice and carries himself. But um, I'm excited for for Fabio, and especially putting him in the mix of our group of defensemen that we have. Um, they'll teach him a ton and. Um, they'll insulate him and they'll 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 help him grow, and I think that's the the qual the best quality of our group in Nashville. And same with Ram, like we have really good players and we have really good even better people. Uh, these these veteran guys, it's not like the old days where they wouldn't talk to you. These guys welcome these kids in. I know that's one of the biggest, you know, I guess fears they have coming out of college is like how am I going to be accepted into an NHL dressing room. And I think he saw a little tidbit on um, Ram when he got his, his game puck. He's like, hey, guys, thanks for welcoming me into this room. Like, his, his transition was a lot easier than he thought. So it's, 
it's a big step for both kids, but, you know, lots of expectations. All these kids have lots of high expectations. That's why they're drafted and we sign them, but um, it still is a process and we'll, we'll work with them and, and hopefully the sky's the limit for both of them. Scott, what is your role like in that sense as director of player development and former NHL defenseman Wade Redden is your assistant in that regard? How much communication do you have with a player like Dante Fabro, like Rem Pitlick throughout the season? How much are they leaning on you? How much are you reaching out to them? What, what is that communication and that role kind of like uh, for a couple of players like that who are looking to make that NHL transition? Well, it, it starts at... Um, the draft. So I don't scout. Our amateur scouts do a fantastic job of of seeing seeing players and where they fit into our into our system and into our I guess our family. And so they draft these kids out of junior college Europe. And once they're drafted, then kind of like Reds and I kind of take over from there. And some kids will go back to junior. Um, some will go to Europe. Some will go to college. And then we just build a relationship for the next however long they're here for. And so we'll stay in touch with them. It starts with the development camp, and like I said, we'll show them through nutrition, how we work out and we practice and all that kind of good stuff. And then they'll go back to their teams, their club teams, I guess you could say, like their junior teams. And then we get we get all their video. We get their clips. We watch their clips from their games. Uh, we have the ability to send them their clips and, and tell us straight on the – monitors and, and go over their shifts with the kids. Uh, we never go over like the systematic stuff because that's their, their coach and, and that's their system. But we'll just go over like the finer details of, like I said, with Fabro, like stick detail, stick positioning, body contact, just even for forwards, if it's a centerman, we'll work on space offs or um, just not turn your back on the play. Just like little tiny, you know, details that the NHL guys have. So when they do come out of college, um, it's not such a, like for Pitlick and Fabro, it's not such a huge jump. They already know the, you know, the details of what we're looking for there so they don't stick out like a sore thumb. So basically you're just building a relationship with these kids and going through their shifts and talking over, you know, some of them have a, had a tough year. So you, you walk them through, you know, their ups and downs through their college or junior year and, uh, junior years. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's just kind of building relationships, letting them trust you. We're, you know, we want them to play in the NHL. We want them to be good players for us. And, um, cause you know, it, it is the best thing in the world. So it's good. I really enjoy working with the young guys and seeing them grow and blossom. And, you know, like I have, uh, Justin Kirkland, he's playing in Milwaukee. I've known him for seven years, like since he played in junior. So I have a, you know, Austin Watson's down here for conditioning. I've known him for six years. So you have such a great relationship with these guys, and they open up, and um, it's good. It's good communicate, good lines of communication. We're speaking with Milwaukee Admirals GM and Preds Director of Player Development, Scott Nickel, here on the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Uh, we're, we're running out of time quickly, but you just mentioned Milwaukee, and for those of uh, our listeners who do care a lot about the AHL team, what would your update be for them on with this being your, your first full season as their general manager? That's good. We're grinding it out right now. We're, you know, we've had a, we're in the playoffs right now. We got eight games left and uh, it's all the usual suspects between us and 
Rockford and Chicago. So we got eight games. We got two games left against Grand Rapids. We got a big weekend this weekend. Uh, it'll probably come right down to the wire, but getting Salamaki and Watson down really helped us. Gives us a little bit of gives us a push for sure. And we've had great energy all week, and or um, we've won three games in a row against Rockford, so we kind of leapfrogged them. So it's it's been good. It's been uh, it's been fun to kind of put my little stamp on the team and and bring in some players and um, it's a good it's a little bit of a cast of characters. But that's what wins hockey games, right? You can't have all the same guys. So it's been a fun season. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of work and um, we're pushing to get get into playoffs. So it's it's good. Scooter, thanks for the updates on, on Dante and Rim and your expertise there. But most importantly, thanks for listening to the show. Love to hear that. As always, boys. All right, Appreciate thanks. It. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Scooter. You're welcome. Up next, we'll hear from Dante Fabro and look ahead to the final week of the regular season. This is the Predators official podcast on ESPN one zero two five. The game. Back here on the Preds official podcast on ESPN one zero two five. The game with Dante Fabro, new Preds defenseman. I know it's been a crazy week for you, but this has also been something that you've been working for for years. I mean, maybe even your entire life to make it to the NHL. So now that you're here, how does it feel? Uh, no, nah, I, I, you can't really explain it. Um, getting to be on the ice with all these guys, guys you look up to, um, corrected my whole life and, you know, getting to meet everyone and, and, uh, see how genuine and, and, uh, such good people they are and, and how, how they uh, conduct themselves on and off the ice. It's, uh, it's definitely, um, something, uh, I, I liked, I, definitely to keep my eye on and and uh like to learn from and um you know there's definitely a, a perfect group here to, to do that i know you've gotten taste of it over the years with development camps and that sort of thing but how do you go from like watching roman yossi in the stanley cup final to like playing with him at practice yeah it's it's uh it's just so real obviously he's uh he's one of the best defensemen in the nhl and um if I can, uh, you know, pick apart his game and, and just learn from, you know, the things he does out in the out in the ice, I think um, I'll be better off with it for, uh, for it. And, um, you know, it, it goes along with uh, the whole decor here. Everyone's, uh, you know, so nice and uh, opening. And um, got the chance to talk to, to Dan Hamhuis quite a bit of just about uh, a couple things out on the ice. And, you know, he's been, uh, you know, kind enough to, to help me out and, and uh, help me figure things out. You've only gotten taste of it with other NHL prospects. How do you think the collegiate game, compares to the NHL right now how do you think it's prepared you for that I think it's just uh, uh the college game's definitely pretty physical and, and a grindy game and I know um there's definitely going to be uh, nights in the NHL that um are going to be like that but just like any league um the next step is always that much better and um it's the National Hockey League so um it's the best of the best and you know I just want to come into come to the rink every day work as hard as I can and and uh hopefully get a chance to, to play for the Preds signed the deal now but you'd mentioned that you would have done it maybe even last year if you could have what made this the right time over last year I think uh um, you know, I just wanted one more year to, to really, uh, you know, develop and, and make sure I was uh, mentally ready to make this jump. And, um, you know, I was able to, to be one of the leaders on the team uh, at BU. And, um, you know, that was a great experience. And um, can't say enough uh, about the coaching staff and, you know, what BU did for me. And um, so I think coming out now is was the perfect time and just for, for myself and my family and um, just where, where I felt the uh, with my hockey, I, I felt that you know it was time definitely to make that jump and and uh, try and crack a 
a spot to play. You mentioned getting some insight from Dan Hamus, who you were skating with today at practice. How do you prepare systematically wise for, for getting back and getting ready to play with the Preds in the NHL? Yeah, the coaches uh, have done an unbelievable job in, in bringing me inside and, and showing me film and uh, just uh, their systems and you know what uh, what they like to do and tendencies. Uh, you know, just in, in every zone. So that's definitely helped me out quite a bit in practice and just being able to prepare for that. And um, uh, before the game or before practice, sorry, we uh, kind of sit down uh, and just kind of go through, you know, penalty kill and, and five on five systems. So um, that's been definitely a huge help for me and um, just kind of get me mentally ready for the practice and, and the day at hand. Two fun ones to end on. I'll say you're young enough. You're young enough to be a Preds fan growing up. I mean, this team's in their 21st season. So how unique is that, and how cool is that for that to come full circle? Yeah, it's uh, it's funny how things work out that way. And, um, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a dream come true to be here. And um, I'm just uh, excited and taking it day by day. And, um, you know, I can't uh, can't thank the, the Preds organization enough. And then lastly, you, we've all heard the story of your sisters playing collegiately in Tennessee. So... What do you say to them now? You now you're the athlete officially playing in Tennessee. Uh, honestly, it's right now. It hasn't uh, hasn't quite set in. Like, I, I, it's exciting and, and stuff like that. But I think you know, hopefully, if I if I get my first game, that's that's going to be a, a rush of adrenaline. And um, you know, I'm sure uh, they'll be down for that game. And um, you know, it, it'll just be a great moment for myself and, and my family to to kind of share together. Thanks, Dante. Thanks. So, Brooks, as far as the nitty-gritty, it is a three-year deal for Dante Fabro. although when he plays that game, um, he's going to burn off a year on that contract immediately just due to his age. So it was still, though, important to get him to commit to the Preds. You hear that that's something he's wanted for a while. It's something Nashville's wanted for a while. And now you see where it goes. And now you see what he's able to do in the lineup. And like I even mentioned to Scooter in the last segment, I mean, who knows? There's plenty of examples where collegiate players come in and become stars in the playoffs. Now, I think the long-term perspective is he probably is going to go into training camp and become a piece that they're going to continue to develop. But just to even have that opportunity, I think, is important for this team right now. Oh, absolutely. And the Predators were, of course, very high on him when they selected him in the first round in 2016. And that excitement has only grown over his past three seasons at Boston University. Just how he's grown as a player, not only on the ice, but off the ice as a leadership position, as a co-captain this season. And Dante mentioned the other day, it wasn't an easy season for Boston University. And he feels like that maybe almost helped him as a leader even more than if things would have been going well throughout the season. It taught him how to deal with a little bit of adversity. It taught him how to deal with some failures as a leader. And a lot of NHL guys, when they come in, they've already had some sort of leadership experience, but I don't think you can ever have enough of that in the NHL, even if it's a 20-year-old, 21-year-old kid like a Dante Fabro or a Rem Pitlick coming in, just something else, some other element that they can add to your team. As far as playing soon, I asked Coach LaViolette about that on Friday morning, and he said that, yes, Dante will, the plan is for him to play at some point. Right now, it's still about getting him acclimated to the team, very similar to what we saw with Rem Pitlick. Rem came in, flew on that plane to Winnipeg and watched the Predators Jets game from the press box with Dan Hamhuis uh, for most of that game. I would think that maybe it's going to be a similar situation with Dante Fabro. 
uh, in Pittsburgh after that. He could make his debut maybe as soon as Saturday, maybe next week, but the plan is for Dante Fabro, according to Peter Laviolette, David Poyle, they would like to get him into same, some game action before the regular season comes to an end. And you heard Scott Nickel allude to this. Typically, defense is the toughest position to acclimate and learn in the NHL. Right? Forward, you just don't have as much responsibility, especially on the defensive end, but to make that jump to the NHL level, I mean, it, it's difficult. And I was honestly even encouraged just to hear him say that Fabro's first pass, that he passes at an NHL level already. Because I think as a young defenseman, the most likely path for him to find success in this Predators lineup is on that third pairing, whether that's beside a, a Dan Hamuse or a Matt Irwin or a Yannick Webb or something like that. And he's only going to be likely asked to play 8 to 10 minutes a night. So he knows how to defend. That That's pretty consistent across all uh, levels of hockey, but the ability to make those NHL level passes to break out of your own end, I think that's particularly encouraging for a guy um, who's been working to get to this point in his career for years now. Well, and I also quickly mentioned that uh, to Coach Laviolette on Friday as well, because Dante had skated with Dan Hamhuis in his mm-hmm. first two practices with the Predators, and I said. If and when Dan Hamuse is able to come back off of injured reserve, of course, still on there with a lower body injury, would you like to see Dante paired with a guy like Dan Hamuse? And of course, coach said, you know, things can always change, but no matter who Dan Hamuse plays with, he, he has that calming presence over anyone. Mm-hmm. So especially a guy like Dante Fabro, who could be making his NHL debut as a rookie, I think you'd want him with a guy like Hammer who can really just calm things down, slow things down for a guy like Fabro, but then let Fabro as well, a guy with some offensive capability, maybe lug the puck and Hammer can stay back a little bit more as a stay-at-home defenseman. I think they'd really complement each other anyway, even if it wasn't a rookie and a veteran, but I think they'd really like to see that pairing the Predators would if they get a chance to do so in the next week or so. Well, and then as an aside, great to hear him say that he's been a Preds fan growing up a it's funny to me, that's been something I've been tweeting the most recent drafts when these players that are being born in 1998 and 1999 are being drafted. And I'm saying, wrap your mind around the fact that these <laughs> these kids, I mean, I'll say kids, have not yeah. known a world without the Nashville Predators. Like, they've always been a hockey team. It's funny to be like, yeah, one of my first memories at four, the Preds were playing hockey. Um, I'm not going to date you and I too much, but well, let's just say we're, <laughs> we are older than the Nashville Predators. So funny to hear him say that and then cool to know that his uh, sisters also played at Austin P University. So that was pretty cool. The, the final news of the week that we'll touch on in this one is that Rocco Grimaldi was named the Predators nom- nominee for the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy. And that's usually for a player that's shown perseverance and qualities like that and has usually overcome and exemplified uh, in that means. And so he's actually... He's hurt right now um, and said to be day-to-day, and so we'll see how he progresses from that. But really a cool story with Rocco, a guy that, I'll be honest, when I was looking at at the training camp rosters, I I definitely did not see him making the kind of impact that he has. Rocco's been fantastic. I mean, every single stat this season is a career high, and he shattered it. I think his career high uh, coming into the season for even games played at the NHL level was 20 maybe with the Florida Panthers and he's played 53 games this season five goals 13 points has scored a couple of the prettier goals that we've seen this season from a Predators player and not only that just just what he's done um, at at both ends of the ice he's he's a smart player and coach Laviolette has used him 
uh, in a couple of different situations. And he's not a guy that's going to play 20 minutes a night, but he knows his role and he's fulfilled it perfectly. And he's such an easy guy to root for as well. We all know that he's a smaller guy. He's not afraid to make fun of that whatsoever. He took a photo with Zidane Ochara, the tallest player <laughs> yeah. in the NHL this season, who was 6'9". And if Chara were to bend down on one knee, he might still be taller than Rocco. It's kind of like you and I, Thomas, in that sense. Mm -hmm. And I, with Brian Boyle as well, playing on the same line as him, that's been really cool, just the size difference uh, in itself. But Rocco's such a good guy. He's such an easy guy to root for. And his mother, Susie, as well, became an internet sensation during <laughs> yeah. the mother's trip with, with her emotion. So a great guy, great family. And couldn't be happier for him to receive that nomination. And a Coldplay fan as well, so you always love Absolutely. to you always love to talk about that. We're into the final week of the regular season. The playoff spot is clinched for the Preds. So let's hear what you guys want to know more about this team through your Twitter questions. We'll answer all of those coming up here on the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN one oh two five the game. Fred's official podcast on ESPN 102.5. The game back for the final segment. And even though we didn't say it in the first part of the show, Brooks, we still have a contest for people. We wouldn't leave them out hanging out to dry like that. Of course we do. Who do you think we are? Who do you think we are? I don't know what that's from even. but um, <laughs> So last week's contest was for two tickets to see the Nashville Predators take on the Vancouver Canucks on April the 4th. And we have a winner. We sure do. Stephen Jones, Stephen Jonesy 59, Roman Yossi fan, perhaps? Maybe so. You are the winner of a pair of seats to the Vancouver Canucks and the Nashville Predators, the Battle of the Grandlands on April 4th. Thanks for listening. Thanks for entering using hashtag Preds Podcast. And the secret word was Grandland that week. We've got a new contest for this one. It's hashtag Preds Podcast again. But Brooks is actually going to be completing his journey of all 31 NHL venues when he goes to see the Preds take on the Buffalo Sabres next week. And in honor of that, our question would be, even if you haven't been to it, what would your top NHL city or venue be? So just hashtag Preds Podcast, where would you like to go? And you'll be entered to win a autographed mini helmet, an autographed Preds mini helmet. I was going to say, you won't be entered to win a trip to that city, unfortunately. We don't have that kind of power. Give us yet, till but... season two. <laughs> <laughs> we'll throw a title sponsor on the Preds Official Podcast, and then maybe we can start flying you guys around North America, but we're just not quite there yet. <laughs> um, as far as we get to, before we get to your Twitter questions, um, a bit of a word of correction. So last week, I said that the Preds Official Watch Party was going to be at the Buffalo Wild Wings in Hermitage, and now George Costanza has a word to say in reference to that. Was that wrong? <laughs> Should I not have done that? I tell you, I gotta plead ignorance on this thing because if anyone had said anything to me at all when I first started here that that sort of thing was frowned upon. <laughs> you know, because I've worked in a lot of offices and <laughs> I tell you, people do that all the time. <laughs> so thank you, George. Um, the There was a watch party. It just wasn't in Hermitage. I got very excited. Hopefully you listened to the second part of my advice, which is always to go to NashvillePredators.com. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Which is to go to NashvillePredators.com slash watch party to see the full schedule there. Because in actuality, this week's watch party presented by Fifth Third Bank is at the Buffalo Wild Wings in Hermitage on April the 2nd oh. against the Buffalo Sabres. So sorry to the citizens of Hermitage for getting you excited <laughs> last week. I do apologize for that. One other piece of news and note, go to nationalpredators.com slash winter classic because the Smashville presale, it's coming up April 17th. And if you want the opportunity to sit in the Preds section 
when they play in the Winter Classic, and to be able to have your choice at tickets, you need to sign up for that pre-sale. So naturalpros.com slash Winter Classic. Without further ado, Twitter question time. Brooks, read off the first one. Well, don't forget to go to Hermitage, my former town, this week, and head out to the Buffalo Wild Wings. Sorry, Hermitage. I know you were crushed last week. I apologize for that. The Herm, home of Andrew Jackson. Okay, here we go. Twitter questions. <laughs> Our good friend Nick, uh, talk about the rookies and the adjustment on the road. Any factors there, especially Rem Pillick debuting in Minnesota in front of his friends and family, just kind of that adjustment period for them. I think we we touched on it a little bit earlier with Dante and Rem, and really there's a good comparison there. Dante is really going through the same thing that Rem Pitlick saw last week. So if you remember, it was Rem Pitlick signing his entry-level deal. He got on the plane uh, to fly to Winnipeg with the Predators, really just kind of soaking it all in. He was the first one on the bus for morning skate. You don't want to be late for your first day of school. And really was taken under his wing by Dan Ham. He did a great job uh, with Rem Pitlick, one of those guys that really welcomed him into the room. But then there's a great clip on Preds TV, if you haven't seen it, of the locker room celebration from that Minnesota game. And Roman Yossi gives the game puck to Rem Pitlick. Mm -hmm. And Rem just comments on how welcome he felt uh, by all the guys in the in the locker room, and I think that's really a big thing. You expect your leadership, you expect your veteran players uh, to help out the rookies and really kind of show them the ropes. But this room is so tight to begin with, and I think everybody did a really good job with Ram, and I think we're seeing the the exact same thing now with Dante Fabro, Dan Hamhuis again, another guy who's kind of. Uh, tutoring Fabro in a way, if you will, on the ice and off the ice, kind of showing him the ropes. But I think for those guys, it's, I mean, just imagine going from the collegiate oh, ranks yeah. and all of a sudden you're in the National Hockey League and you've got to figure it out in a couple of days because you're probably going to be playing a hockey game. And uh, it, it's pretty darn exciting and it can also be pretty nerve wracking. So I think the rookies have done a really good job of adjusting and you heard Scott Nickel talking about it that help has to come from within as well. And the Predators, veterans, and some of the younger guys as well have done a really good job helping Rem and Dante acclimate into what it means to be a Nashville Predator. There's just a myriad of things to try and keep track of that are so unfamiliar outside of even being on the ice and performing well in a game and trying to earn your spot in the NHL, right? Like even watching the team as they were preparing to leave for Pittsburgh, Dante's having to ask, okay, do I put my skate guards on and do they go in the bag? Or like, you know, what what am I bringing exactly? He's talking to the, yeah. to the equipment staff with that sort of thing. And you heard him talk about this in the last segment. But again, back to your point about Hamuse saying that he had the opportunity to sit down with him before practice even happened so that Hamuse could be saying, you need to be looking for these things in the system. You need to be going here because I think that then helps the real world application a little bit more as you're just trying to learn where you're supposed to be on the ice and who you're responsible for when you're able to even kind of study it and see some videos, see some clips, hear from a veteran before you actually put it into practice. So, yeah, I think the sky's the limit for both of these guys, whereas the long term is what the Preds are going to think about first. If Fabro or Pitlick or even someone else earns a spot in this lineup, then the Predators are going to put whoever they think is the best, gives them the best opportunity to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs every single night. And I think it's absolutely possible that that could be Fabro. We'll see how it goes going forward. Speaking of that, actually, Hudson wanted to know if we will see Ellie Tolvin in, in the playoffs. I think short answer, I don't see it as that likely. I think he is committed to the Milwaukee Admirals for the rest of their season. And then we could get into a situation where 
if the Predators continue to play longer than the Admirals because, again, that roster limit's freed up, could he come up and be what's – the nickname is called a black ace, but essentially practice with the team and be available. Could he get into a game that way? I think it's possible, but I just think, especially with the return of Austin Watson, Mika Salamakia appears to be close to returning as well. The Predators just have – I mean, they have a plethora of extra options right now. And the fact that Tolvin is not in really, I guess, the top 15 or so of the forward lines, I, I would caution, I don't think I see him in the playoffs, at least at this point. Yeah, I, I think uh, I would agree wholeheartedly with what you said, Thomas, and that the Predators, it, it would take some significant injuries. And obviously, we would never want that to happen to anyone, especially in the forward core. There are so many more guys, I think, who would step in before an Ellie Tolvin, and I think it'd be a similar situation that they had talked about earlier in the season. Having Ellie Tolvin up here and playing him seven or eight minutes on the fourth line, maybe not the best thing for him. Mm-hmm. If he was going to play, it would be in a top six role. I, I just don't see that happening right now. I think the Predators are good with having him stay in Milwaukee, helping them for their playoff drive. Uh, to try to get into the postseason. And then, yeah, we very well could see him uh, as a black ace in Nashville. But I think even then it would just more so, be more so to be here and kind of take in that playoff atmosphere and experience that at the NHL level rather than getting into a game. Uh, a different Nick, different than the first I Nick. I love how you put that in the Nicks. notes, a different Nick. <laughs> yes, a different Nick wanted to know, just wanted to differentiate here. How do the Preds psychologically handle Winnipeg if they face them in the playoffs, considering the Preds have allowed a bunch of goals to the Jets in the past three games? For me, everything goes out the window in the playoffs, right? Like yeah. I'm not incredibly worried if the Predators play the Jets or if the Predators honestly play the St. Louis Blues in the first round. I, like I'm not you know, ready to to mail it in and say, oh, the Predators have no chance because they didn't have regular season success against these teams. I just feel like everything gets thrown out the window in the playoffs from the regular season. You start fresh. It's a brand new series. And I mean, quite, quite frankly, the short answer for me is I'm not worried about it psychologically, mentally, uh, physically, how they match up with them on the ice, off the ice, whether they're getting in people's heads or yeah. getting in the crease and, and trying to grind out some goals, no matter what angle you attack it from, I'm not worried about something like that. I think that's a good question, though. I I, I really do. And and to your point of a regular season series, it does matter, but it's not the be-all, end-all. We all remember when the Preds swept the Blackhawks. Well, the Preds didn't win that season series in 2017, and then they turn around and beat the Blackhawks in four straight games. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a very difficult path for the Predators either way. You mentioned the Blues. Again, they've lost to them the last four times out of the five times that they played them. So I think you've seen some improvement there from the Predators. And I guess the one thing that I'd touch on is it's a different game in the playoffs. And I, and I mean that in multiple yeah. ways. Even in this capacity, when you're setting such a short-term goal for yourself, even the way the minutes that you play, your, some of your players, and the way that you deploy them – is different than it was in the regular season. And I think the simplest example of that would be your defense. You you may all of a sudden be asking Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis to play two or three more minutes a night because you know that they're going to make your team that much better. You can't do that across 82 games in the regular season. But even when you think you know a team's roster that well, it actually may technically be a little bit different when it gets to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Those are next week. I'm sure we'll talk about it so much more on the next episode of the Preds Official Podcast. This has been a pretty good one for Brooks Braden. You can follow him at Brooks Braden on Twitter and Instagram. I am Tom A. Willis on Twitter. Make sure you're following at Preds NHL to see the best Predators content first. 
The POP is available at nationalpredators.com slash podcast. You can listen to past episodes and subscribe there. In addition, of course, to being here every weekend on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Thanks to Scott Nickel and Dante Faber for joining this episode of the show. I'll catch you guys next week. One more week to go. See you, Smashville. <laughs>